This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, Get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. A rested child is a happy child. Sleep Tight Stories is a weekly podcast that brings comfort and joy to families worldwide with calming bedtime stories. The stories are relevant to children and spark wonder without overstimulation, so they can fall asleep and stay asleep. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For a bedtime routine you'll miss when they're grown, Sleep Tight Stories. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Expect is a production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host, Heidi Murkoff, and I'm a mom on a mission, a mission to help you know what to expect every step of the way. Remember when there was no place on the planet your baby would rather be than snuggled up in your arms, gazing up at your adoring face? All sweet smiles and breathy coos. Well, if your baby has taken those first monumental steps into toddlerhood, you may already be longing for those days when your little one's contentment was always just a cuddle and a feed away. With so much new territory to conquer, so many new milestones to check off, and so many miles to cover on two feet, your toddler is still very little but nobody's baby. In so many ways, toddlers are larger than life. 
especially when it comes to their feelings. When they're happy, you know it. When they're mad, you know it. From meltdowns on the frozen food aisle to battles over bath time, life with a toddler is never boring, and it can definitely keep you guessing. Well, that's about to change, because today we're answering your biggest toddler questions, and we brought in backup. Kristen and Dina are the moms behind Big Little Feelings, and chances are you are one of the over million parents who follow them on Instagram for their practical and actionable advice. They know their toddlers. Kristen has two toddlers, so she's in the trenches, and Dina is a child therapist who happens to have a newborn, so she'll soon be putting those skills to the test at home. Today, they're here to talk about communicating with your toddlers, taming tantrums, and the truth about timeouts, discipline, and understanding all those big little feelings. Welcome, Kristen and Dina. We are so excited to have you here today. And I know someone who's a little extra excited because your advice could not come at a better time for Emma. She has discovered that the struggle with a a two-and-a-half-year-old is indeed real. True story, Emma? It's just, he's a lot. You know, he doesn't listen at all. He doesn't listen to my husband. But I mean, he's very headstrong. And I'm kind of like in that pick your battles kind of phase. And it's kind of taken that to the next level. Yeah. Have you stopped picking any battles at all? Is that what's going on? Yeah. You know what? I'm so tired. You know, this has been a real, this has been a year. And, you know, I've kind of taken off my parenting hat and I'm at the fuck this kind of point. And I know that's so wrong, but like, you know what? I'm in survival no, mode. I think we got to stop you right there. I yeah. don't think anyway, <laughs> anybody you. not in fuck it mode right now? Because <laughs> no. I am. I mean, I think you captured that perfectly. Yeah. Uh-uh. Nope, you're doing great. And it's like, I, I want him to, like, follow direction. Because today he started school, like, for an hour. And I'm like, I swear to you, I know within a week he's going to be kicked out for doing no, something No, he up. is not. <laughs> he is. My husband and I are putting bets on this. Like, we're like, is he going to punch a kid? Is he going <laughs> to throw something? Can we just say that everything you just mentioned is very normal toddler behavior? So yeah, exactly. if your toddler gets kicked out of school for hitting or not over some blocks, then we got a bigger problem with that yeah. school. <laughs> okay? That's not a you thing. There'll be no toddlers in the preschool if we do that. No. Yeah. No. Exactly. And, like, I think, first of all, you're not there, which is a good thing. Um, and, and he has other authority figures. And I think, like, Emma, lots of parents, especially now, just want to get through the day. And setting short-term goals is good because survival, Emma— as you mentioned, is a good thing. But toddlers really are about the here and now, but managing their behavior isn't. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, again, we're in we're in unprecedented times right now. So I think our answer a year ago would have been very different than our answer today. And I think that's worth noting that I agree with you. Long-term is really our goal. Um, and what's kind of cool is when we start to look at some of the things that that Dina and I share, some of these strategies that are rooted in 30 years of research that lead to, let's say, long-term, healthy, resilient kids. For us as parents, sometimes 
what we want is the screaming to stop right now. We're really not so focused. I mean, we want that, sure. When the kids are in bed and sleeping, we're like, oh yeah, how can I make them healthy adults? But in the moment, right, what we want is help right now today. And what's kind of cool is that when Dina and I started putting our heads together on all of this research and long-term resilience, there are so many of these things that actually serve both purposes. Like one thing that we always talk about that's a great example we like to use is the, you know, just letting toddlers know that their feelings are okay. Okay, let's use that as a great example. So on one end, that sounds very fluffy and idealistic and whatever. But when you look at the research, we're building healthy, emotional skills, lifelong, they won't push their feelings down, leads to destructive behavior, yada, yada. At the same time, if you were to say to me, hey, Kristen, what's the number one thing you should do if your toddler is having a tantrum and you do nothing else? I would say get down to their level and let them know, hey, bud, you're so upset right now about the iPad being all done. I get it. It's okay to be upset because magically in that moment, oftentimes just doing that, their tantrum is going to be shorter and less intense rather than you saying, what's the big deal? Get over it. I told you a hundred times the iPad is all done. And so it's kind of magical that a lot of these things can, can have both. Yeah. It's important to validate their feelings as we always talk about, but also to get on their level and put yourself in their little shoes and understand why they're feeling the big feelings that they are, and they can't express them as easily as as we can. And sometimes we have a hard time expressing our feelings, right, in a positive way. It's not like we're running around, you know, being always uh, calm and collected. I am uh, angry or upset by very ridiculous things, especially <laughs> now. Too. I always like to make that comparison, that if you had a really hard day and, you know, there was just traffic and something was just, just grating on you and you walk in, you tell your partner about it and they're like, what's the big deal? Nothing even happened. What are you talking about? Like, get over it. You would just feel horrible. You'd, you'd explode. I mean, it just wouldn't feel good. And all you needed in that moment was someone to say, ugh, you're having a hard time. I get that. It's a game changer. That's so true. I would totally throw something. Yeah, I would throw yeah. something. Yeah, I would knock over some blocks. Yeah, exactly. You know, what's interesting, what you said, though, to me, it's like during that moment when he's having a tantrum, like I kind of just am in pilot mode and I like give in a lot of times. And then at night when I'm in bed, when he's sleeping, I'm like, wow, what can I do tomorrow to like help that situation in a, in a more positive way where he's learning and also like I'm not losing my mind. But in, then the next day, it's again, it's, it's a vicious cycle because I don't want to deal with it. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I feel like it's important, you know, as much as putting yourself in their, their little sneakers, also to understand what a toddler is and why they behave the way that they do. Because perspective goes a really long way. All you see is the screaming and the negativity and, you know, toddlerhood is the first adolescence. This is when a child is, for the first time, setting out on two feet, you know, carving their own identity and declaring their independence um, the only way they know how at this point. Exactly. I'm so happy you said that. It has so much to do with their brain development at this stage of life. Their brains are exploding in terms of development. It's happening so quickly. And at the same time, the upper areas of their brain that have all the networks that help them manage their emotions, use their language to express themselves and ask for things and control their bodies, that is so under construction. 
still. And that's why we see them screaming and screeching, flailing around, you know, like hitting on the ground. And your kid pushing back in the toddler stage is actually an amazing sign. It's a sign that internally they're starting to become aware of what they want and what they need. And they're saying, no, I have an opinion. You're saying no, and I say yes. And that's actually kind of amazing. And they're kind of exploring that that relationship too, by the way, right? Everything is new. Everything is out there. And they're kind of, I think of it when they're testing boundaries, it's like, yes, they've reached this milestone. They are healthy development. Yay. And then I kind of like to think of it as, hey, mom, are you in control or am I in control? Because toddlers having control of everything in the whole world, bedtime, iPad, this, keeping them safe, that's actually scary for them. And even though it seems like they want to have all the power and all the control, it's actually them kind of asking us to, hey, are you the calm, confident leader or am I the leader? Should I make these choices? And when we have those sort of limits that are loving, it's not authoritative, it's not um, threatening, but a really calm, confident leading vibe our toddler will feel safer to then be the kid, right? That's what we want them to be, is a free kid. And we are here to keep them safe, to let them know what's on the menu for lunch. And then like we talk about, then you give them toddler type of control and power. Hey, it's time for shoes now. We're leaving right now. That's a me thing. I'm calm, I'm in control. Do you want the red shoes or the blue shoes? And that way they feel like they have age appropriate power. That's like, the wonderful trifecta if you can get there. And avoid the the yes or no answer because you will always get no. You're always going to get no. I always make this mistake. I'm always like, do you want this? Oh my gosh. If you say, do you want to use the potty? Why are we, it's like, I say that too, by the way, but I'm like, why did I just ask? It's actually unfair. Because when they say no, and I'm like, well, too bad. (laughs) You know what I mean? All I, that's terrible. It's not fair. All I had to say was, it's time to use the potty now. Would you like to use the big potty or the little potty or something like like yeah, that, but it's just it's time for bedtime. Not are you ready for bed? And they go, no. I mean, why am I asking? <laughs> Language is so important, and I didn't understand that until right now, actually. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think modeling the the behavior that you want to see in your kid, it sounds like a great idea, and it is a great idea. So, like, you need to be the calm in their storm because when you're upset. And they're upset, everybody's upset, and you get nowhere because that's unsettling. Like you said, Kristen, that's scary when everything's Mm -hmm. out of control. Mommy's out of control. Even if you're in control, but you say, you know what? Yeah, one more episode. Even just that can be a little bit chaotic and confusing, right? Because if mommy says one more episode, then okay, does this mean one more episode? Does it mean five more episodes? When we're at the park, oh, does this mean five more minutes or 10 more minutes, 30 more minutes or one more minute? So I know I am the biggest people pleaser in the world. I hate for anyone to be upset about anything. But what helps me in the boundary stage, because it's hard for us people pleasers or people that really want to make people happy, especially our kids, I try to think of it as keeping them safe. The same way I wouldn't let them run into a road and I would want to say, I'm here and I'm keeping you safe. I'm here, I'm keeping you safe. I kind of just like mantra that over and over whether it comes to the iPad, when it comes to leaving the park, when it comes to getting out of the bathtub, it's like, this is my role. It's okay to be upset about this. 
I'm keeping you safe. Yep. And I feel like if you were a pedestrian on the street and you didn't know what the traffic rules were and there were no lights and so you would just cross or the cars would just go whenever. And so you would be confused. You would be unsettled and you would probably almost certainly be non-compliant because you would never know what the rules were going to be on any given day. It's confusing. You know what confusion leads to, by the way? Chaos. It leads to tantrums. It leads to those big emotions. And when they feel safer, like you just said, there's one, oh gosh, the one analogy, and I can't remember who's first said it, but with the, the guardrails, it's a great analogy. It's just like that streetlight analogy. If there are no guardrails up, then we're going to really tiptoe kind of, and then be hesitant and then go forward and then be wary and then be scared and then be cautious and then be this. And it's our job as parents to provide those guardrails so that they can really thrive and kind of like run through life being a kid and know that we're there to have that structure to keep them safe. And what we're really all saying too is that when we don't feel safe, what ends up happening is that your brain kicks into survival mode. It kicks into that fight or flight, freeze or faint. Those are really like the four survival responses. And so we we talk about aggressive kids, that's fight. We talk about, you know, like nervous kids who don't want to take risk. That's also a survival response. This is all like sort of that high level talk that I always found really confusing. And so the, the big little feelings way is now let's talk about that with that iPad example. What that means is, is that when you say every single time, almost, almost, that iPad is all done, you mean iPad is all done. What that means is their little brains feel safer, even though they're upset. By the second or third time, it's not going to be a pushback or a struggle because when mom says what she means, she means what she says, and we're not going into flight, fight, or even like, ooh, how can I get more? It's just like, it's hard for those initial few times, but then it's not a pushback. It's not a struggle anymore. We feel, okay, this is it. It's one more episode. Exactly. And I feel like if you're going to hold boundaries, which is like we're saying, it's really hard sometimes because they're screaming, they're crying, it's loud, we're overwhelmed. I feel like we also have to be armed too with like the tool of, okay, the feelings. You can see them and hear them. Yes, it's so hard right now. You're really upset. It's okay to cry and let them express that as we hold boundaries. And I know you talk also about the same things that I talk about with consistency and structure and predictability. So the rules are always the same. The rules are age appropriate, right? Because if you expect too much from a kid, they can't deliver. They can't live up to those expectations. And if you expect too little, what's the point? So true. And of course, the unconditional love. So even when I mean, everybody's heard this, but it's so important to remember that if your child feels loved, it's okay for your child to know you're not fond of their behavior in this moment, but that you always love them no matter what. Absolutely. And even, even not only unconditional love, which is so important, but also cementing in the fact that they are a good kid no matter what. They are a great kid who made a mistake. And so the mistake can be something that we will help them, by the way. We're going to help them in the future to okay, we were feeling angry. It's okay to feel angry. I'm here with you. And next time we feel angry, what are we going to do differently? And we love them no matter what they do. And they are a good kid no matter what mistake they may have made today.
This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, Get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. When your child fights sleep, it can feel like a battle you'll never win. Imagine a bedtime routine you all look forward to, where you cuddle in and let the stress of the day melt away. Welcome to Sleep Tight Stories, a calming weekly podcast that brings bedtime stories, cuddles, and comfort to families worldwide. The stories are quirky, relatable, and spark wonder without overstimulation, so listeners can fall asleep and stay asleep. Each episode is narrated by me, Cheryl McLeod, a second grade teacher, and written by my husband Clark, an eternal second grader at heart. Tune in tonight and bond over a story before drifting off to sleep. Make bedtime the sweetest part of your day. Sleep Tight Stories. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiment and Billy made raisins dance. so cool, Billy. He did. (laughs) Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to catch you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Dina, you're not there quite yet, but Kristen, I'm sure there are times when you completely ignore your own best advice. Oh my God, all the time. Yes, first of all, yes. Human nature, especially um, under stress, under, hello, a pandemic. Our big thing anyways, no matter what, is the 80-20 rule. I am all about the 80-20 rule. And I feel 
a lot more empowered when I let myself do that. So that means 80% of the time is what I'm striving for. Some weeks it's not going to be 80. Sometimes it's going to be 50. But let's celebrate that 80 or 50% of the time where we're like, all right, I held that boundary. I didn't give in. Okay, cool. I did this or I did that. And then 20% of the time, I now structure those days in because I'm a little bit of a perfectionist and I just like to know like, okay, today is a day where I'm going to try really hard. And then I know that two days a week, almost, I'm letting go of everything. I let screen time, we're having crackers with cheese, we're having, you know, we can let on like holidays, you know, you're letting the boundaries go, you're having, they're having sugar, things like that. It is impossible to be perfect 100% of the time. And I think that people, when they read about, you know, sort of positive parenting, gentle, whatever you want to call it, it seems really unrealistic. And that's because I think it is. And <laughs> you can't be at 100% of the time. And for me, I know not even to strive for that. So I don't feel like I failed. And when you feel like you failed and you get into that like guilt and the cycle, you're going to wake up and not really do it again and bop, bop, bop. And for me, it's like I did a 50% job. Great. Like I did it. I tried. I killed it. But it's the same thing as with kids. You want to set expectations for yourself that are realistic because when I see headlines that are just like, you know, how to be a better parent, first of all, there's no one right way to do any of this. You know, you got to find your own way, but you can't be so hard on yourself. Moms especially, I think, are so hard on ourselves and on others. That's true. And I mean, Instagram, social media, all we see are the toddlers who are wearing matching outfits with like perfect ice cream cones in their hands that are not dripping. And then the mom <laughs> is wearing like, like booty shorts with her abs and like a newborn baby on her breast. Yeah. And it's like, nobody is showing the behind the scenes where she was like screaming and giving them candy to sit down and stay still and like threatening to take away the iPad. And then she storms off and then this and that. Yeah, yeah. And it's very difficult space, I think, to be a mom. Because it's like, oh, I need perfect activities. I need a perfect, I haven't done an activity in four years. I did one time. And I was like, this is my nightmare. I don't have the capacity for this. I don't have the patience for it. You know what I'm good at? I'm really good at messy play. Like, I'll let them jump in a puddle. I'll let them go wild. You should celebrate the shit out of that. Um, And celebrate (laughs) those things. It's such a, a mind shift. And we have to be so, so aware of it. Because otherwise, we drive ourselves crazy. And, you know, I'm never going to be the clean mom and I'm never going to be an activity mom. And that's okay. I'm a great mom. Preach. I am not a clean mom either. My house is a mess. And you know what? Yeah. No. Yeah. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen for me. And on on the other side, there are other moms out there that have, they do show that perfectly clean house on Instagram. You know, I have a friend who's exactly that way and she has a really tidy, everything is perfect. And yet her child will only eat like pouchies or waffles. That's her struggle. We all have our struggle and we all have our things that we are good at. I love when moms on Instagram really show the reality of it, though. Like, Me too. like they they tell their, their their truth because the thing is, you are helping other moms with that. When you're painting this perfect picture, which I used to do on Instagram before the shit hit the fan on this pandemic, I feel like I used to have a much more clean Instagram. But now I feel like my house is messy in every picture. Everything's a shit storm. Like, I, I, and and that's 
real. And I think that's relatable. Absolutely. And Dina and I, when we started, we only started one year ago, Big Little Feelings. And at that time, everyone had the selfie ring light. They were very buttoned up tutorials. You know, we are educators, quote unquote. There was no swearing. The backgrounds were perfectly clean. And we were like, listen, we're going to be us. We're going to show mom buns. We're going to swear sometimes because Instagram is not for toddlers. Instagram is for moms. And when I had my first baby, I was scrolling through Instagram. I loved all of the, you know, parent coaching and things like that space. But I had postpartum anxiety. I didn't know any other moms. I didn't see a single mom that looked like me. I didn't see a single mom that sounded like me. I didn't see a house that looked like mine. And it was devastating. It was really hard. And we thought, listen, this this may cause that we don't get any followers. It's just going to be our moms being like, girls, you're doing so good. Yay. <laughs> but it was important to us to kind of break the mold and be different and not show just perfection. Yeah. We show our good days, our bad days, our like, you know, joyful days and the days that we're just crying messes. We're just falling apart. That's so important. So we we know that we need to set boundaries, that guardrail. What do we do? Clearly, young toddlers, distraction is the best way in in most cases. But if you've started thinking about the word discipline or punishment, I feel like Parents need some guidance on this because it's it's really easy in the moment to lose your temper. How would you define discipline for a toddler? Well, let's break down punishment versus discipline because they're actually different, but they sometimes are used the same. So punishment is when our reaction is designed to make a kid feel scared or bad about themselves so that they'll shift the behavior next time. Now, discipline, the real meaning of it, the Latin root, if you want to get really nerdy with me, really means to teach. We are their life teachers. They've never done this before. This whole life thing, it's new to them. And remember the way their brains work, they may need like a hundred reminders to get something. That's okay. But discipline is really, we are teaching them how to do things differently. We are teaching them how to understand their emotions how to understand what they want, what they need, and express it in safe and healthy ways, which, by the way, becomes lifelong skills for living with resilience. Completely, because you are going to be living with rules around you your entire life, and you need to start learning at the beginning, and you need to know right from wrong. And you are your child's first and most important teacher, and that's one of the most important things that you can teach. I love how you say that sometimes some of this quote-unquote pushback, I guess, if you will, on gentle parenting or positive parenting or whatever you want to say, and it's, it's just a huge misconception because I think that what we are doing is actually setting them up to be able to live in a realistic world with rules, with expectations, with others. When we look at um, how children learn in schools. When we learn, how did you learn when you went to college? How did you learn? Was it fear-based? Did somebody threaten to take away your home? Did somebody threaten to take away your salary? If you think about the best coach you've ever had, the best boss you've ever had, were they incredibly domineering and shaming? Or 
were there to, to make you feel like you were valued and seen. And they were there to help you next time. You made a mistake. Okay, this was a mistake. They're very confident and firm in it. They're not okay with it. They don't allow it. But hey, what are we going to do next time? And give you another shot. What is your incentive, by the way? It's something positive. It's a bonus. It's camaraderie. It's teamwork. And so it's so boggles my mind a little bit that we treat children the opposite and that we should be leading with punishment and fear when fear is a terrible teacher. It's a terrible teacher. It actually studies show that it impacts long-term learning. And that's why we don't use punishments in schools anymore. So why are we using them at home? And it just doesn't teach them anything. How many times we hear over and over, well, I put my kid in a timeout. Well, I spanked them for hitting and it stopped right that second, right? They, you know, look at you and you say, hey, I'm going to put you in a timeout right then and there. What is happening is they freeze because of that fear, right? You're threatening and they're afraid. We don't need to be super dramatic, but truly it's a, ooh, fear. I don't want to go do this. So no. And you stop and you freeze. And then they go. They go in the timeout, they have their punishment, and they come right back out and they go over to baby sister and they smack her right in the face. What just happened, right? And that's because in that very one small moment, they will freeze. I think that's why people are confused. It works. Look, it works. But it doesn't work long term. It doesn't teach them how to not hit baby sister. It taught them in this moment, don't do this or else. Well, in terms of timeouts, it's not like they can sit there and think about what they've done because, you know, that's like way above their pay grade, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe in a much later date, they can go to their room and think about what they've done. But no. No, two-year-old can't do that. My dad, by the way, we we had timeouts in our house and he was really proud because like he wasn't spanking, right? It was like, we do this really awesome thing called timeout. And I would just go into my room for however long and I would be steaming. I'd be so mad plotting about how I'm going to get them back. I'm going to cold shoulder them when I come out of this room and like do bad things. And I didn't think about what I did wrong at all right? I didn't really learn anything. But I think that's a really big point too, is when we're talking about a parent-child relationship and building tools and building trust and building authenticity, I mean, when we send our kids away to time out when they've quote unquote done something wrong, we teach them that big feelings really aren't welcome in this house. And we miss the opportunity to teach them how to handle a big feeling next time which is that lifelong skill. What is your takeaway when they slug, punch? You're saying for hitting? Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll see them. We'll okay the feeling. It's okay to feel mad. Bring in a boundary. It's not okay to hit when we're mad. I'm going to move baby to keep her safe, or I'm going to move my body to keep everyone safe. And then later at a calm time when their brains can actually take in information, because just like us as adults, when we are highly emotional, nothing's coming in. It's just how your brain works. You can't talk, you can't reason, use logic, think, learn. So then when they're calm, we want to revisit and say, oh, you were so mad when the baby knocked over your blocks. I get it. That is so frustrating. What can we do next time instead of pushing her? And that's where we start to teach and practice the coping skills. We often see or think that when a toddler or when a kid does something bad, that that warrants a bad response, a 
big punishment, a big reaction. Even if it's not a timeout, perhaps we want to walk over, grab their arms and look them in the eyes and go, no, no hitting. And it's actually the opposite because A, what is impulse control? Layman's terms, that means hitting. It's like, angry, oh, hit, right? That's normal for toddlers, first of all, that perspective. And then knowing that our toddlers especially, but all kids are desperate and love our attention. They love it. Their dream is for us when we're washing the dishes, bop, 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 and they hit their baby sister, their dream scenario is we turn off the water, we walk over to them, we give them attention and look really like looking them in the eyes and now we're focused on them. Even if it's negative attention, now they've thought, ooh, okay, I know how to get mommy to come over here and pay attention to me. And so like Dina said, staying incredibly calm and having that perspective, hey, toddlers hit. Let's try to teach them to not hit in the future, right? This is what we're going to work on. Calm, cool. It's okay to feel angry because it is. Contain them in that moment is the only goal in that moment is to keep everyone safe. I'm keeping everyone safe now. And then teaching those coping skills. And so that brings us to tantrums naturally because when there are so many triggers of tantrums that if we start to identify, we can prevent some of them, not all of them. Some of them are completely necessary part of, a, you know, toddler behavior happens. And, you know, you, you can't prevent all tantrums, but you can prevent some. And one of the ways to do that, I would say, is paying attention before. Now, you can't always, obviously. Parents sometimes don't realize that that negative attention is better than no attention, as you said. Um, and when you're, say, on your phone, you're not paying attention in the store, well, what happens? The kid wants some attention, they're going to scream for it. That's part of it, right? It's true. Yeah. And you, well, what would the other triggers you would say? I would say one that I think we lose track of is, are we kind of dictating-ish all day long? Are we like, no, 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 this way, this way, this way, this way, this way, this way. A great way to prevent a tantrum is like we were saying, choose, making those big adult decisions, right? It's time for bedtime. It's time for potty. It's this. But making your toddler feel involved and in control of the situation, giving them, they love power. Age-appropriate power, though, is the key, right? And so I can't tell you how many times that if that checklist is truly there, I can't tell you how many tantrums we can avoid by making our kid feel involved, right? If you're barking at them and it's like, you're not going fast enough, get your shoes on right now. We're heightened and they're going to heighten and we're going to explode. If we say, hey, it's time for shoes now. How fast can you go? Could you get blue shoes or red shoes? You choose. Do you like, yeah, I like that choice. And giving them a little bit of age appropriate power is key before anything were to even go south. And to circle back on what you were saying before too, which is like anytime we see an uptick in unwanted behavior, we can almost fill up their attention tank proactively in a positive way. And we call this the 10-minute miracle. So carve out 10 minutes a day, every day, something they can count on. Give it a special name. Maybe, you know, my baby's Hunter. It's Mama Hunter time. And he's going to get to pick what activity we do. I put my phone down. There's no siblings. He gets my full attention, no teaching, no correcting him. 
And he can just soak up my love and attention. And a lot of times when we do this consistently, you will start to see a change in behavior. You'll see the hitting kind of mellow out, whatever it is. And this is especially helpful if there have been, you know, like big life changes, like new baby in the house or, you know, you're moving. You know, even I sometimes will forget how powerful this really is. And that's because people are like, well, I'm with my kid all day long. Like, no, absolutely not. This isn't going to work. It is so different. And this works for spouses too, by the way. I always like to use this analogy of, I don't know about you, but after my kids go to bed, we're on Netflix, we're on our phones, we're scrolling, and we haven't actually like communicated or looked connected. at each other or felt connected at all. And Same. that can keep happening, right? Mm-hmm. So that happens, at least in my house, as a, as a prior stay-at-home mom and now too, we're shuffling, we're doing dishes, baby needs this, baby does that. 10 minutes, literally, of just there's no siblings, there's no one else in the world. It is so different. I can't even tell you how different that special 10-minute time is. And it's kind of cool for us parents, too. It's like, we're not fighting. Nobody is, like, struggling against me. It's just like, you pick what we're doing and let's have this time. It's it's a game changer. It really is. Even sometimes a hug, a cuddle, even when a a tantrum is starting to happen, and this goes for relationships too. If you have touch, then you melt down all of these angry feelings. Not all of them, but you can. It's a potential to melt away some of those feelings. It doesn't necessarily work every kid every time, but it can work. And you know what? We like to even say offering a hug, right? Even the other day, I was really upset. I was crying a lot, and I typically don't like to be touched. And that's the same with our kids. My my youngest does not like touch. <laughs> She's just like me. And that's okay, but I always offer it. And I'm, I'm here if you need me. And it's okay to be sad. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Calendar. Let's be real. Running a household can be exhausting and chaotic. And finding the perfect Mother's Day gift... It's not exactly a no-brainer. Until now. The Skylight Calendar is the best way to organize the family and give everyone, especially mom, some peace of mind to enjoy the things that matter most. The Skylight Calendar is a smart, touchscreen calendar that keeps track of and manages the chores, dinner planning, groceries, and to-dos for the whole family. The Skylight Calendar automatically syncs each family member's digital calendars and displays them all together on one color-coded touchscreen. It even doubles as a digital picture frame so you can finally share all those special moments that are just sitting on your phone. As a limited time offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight calendar when you go to skylightcal.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-C-A-L dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightcal.com slash easy. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiments and Billy made Raisins dance. That is so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! 
Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to catch you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on Story Button, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024, and we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you here on Next Question is going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you on our season premiere featuring Kris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother, or in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I called my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The key that Dina and Kristen are making is don't be a cave mom. You don't cave. (laughs) Instead, you set these expectations and you follow through as much as you possibly can. And you know what? I used to think that that was like for the well-being of long term in 30 years. And, you know, fuck that. I need to have this crying stop now. What I found as now being a mom of two toddlers, I will tell you, as hard as it is in that moment, It is, and I can speak from experience, 10,000 times harder in your day-to-day life when you're just giving in because it is chaos and they are screaming and they are demanding and you are screaming and back and forth. And so my main motivation in these moments is, yes, this moment is hard, but this moment will last two minutes. Like today, okay, we're testing on the car seat battle. If I do this now, and I let her run around the car and go back and forth and, okay, please, okay, this, okay, that, okay, that, five more minutes. I know that every day and every time we want to get in a car seat, until I rein it in and decide to, it will be chaos and a nightmare. And so my main motivation is, yes, it's hard in these two minutes or three minutes or four minutes, but overall your whole life and your whole day-to-day life is so much calmer and more manageable. That's the motivation for me. That's going to be my motivation, too. Exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah. Exactly. We're all set. And we're, we're going to check back in with you tomorrow, Emma. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so not surprisingly, Emma is not alone. There are many, many moms of toddlers at What to Expect. And they brought with them all of their questions 
you know, even beyond the temper tantrums and the biting and the hitting, one, of course, that you hear every day is about picky eaters. And these moms are wondering, how do you negotiate a balanced diet with a toddler who doesn't want to eat anything? Yeah. Well, I love this question because the answer is you don't. You don't negotiate with a toddler in general, in general, right? You don't. And and that doesn't mean you don't let them have feedback because like what we've learned is it goes back to the same things. We are calm, confident leaders. We decide when we're eating. We decide what is on the menu. And perhaps we want to give them a choice. Like, do you want the purple plate or the pink plate? Do you want this or do you want that? And what we like to do is always include one safe food, especially for picky eaters already, okay? Because if you put a plate in front of them, and my kids are great eaters, I mean, but great is a relative term. My kids like to eat a lot of stuff because I've done a lot of these strategies. So they'll eat sushi, they'll eat asparagus, they'll do this. But if that sushi is different than the sushi that they like, they're not going to eat it. They're going to pitch a fit if the asparagus is different. So it, it all is just a toddler thing of when there is one safe food, they feel safe to explore those other foods. And you as a parent feel confident, calm, and you're not going to negotiate because you know there is one food on their plate that they like. So let's say it's blueberries. You know they're not going to starve. I see a lot of parents try to do the negotiating or the pleading or the airplane or the this or that or go back and forth and, oh, you don't like the blueberry? Okay, I'll get you something else. We know they like blueberries. It's on their plate. They're not going to starve. They can always have the blueberries. And when you put that plate down and they say, ew, yucky, you say, that's okay. You don't have to eat it. There is no pressure. There are so many studies that Dean and I just rifle through that are increased pressure leads directly to picky eating. So parents' strategies, they think that what they're doing is helping the begging and the pleading or following them around or this or that, and you're directly leading to picky eating. And when you do a no pressure approach, we call it play it cool, and you put it down and it's like, this is your food, this is what we're having today, this is what's on the menu, knowing there's a safe food, that is the best strategy. And then you just back off. You just relax and you tell them, listen to your body. That's okay. That's it. It's that simple. Yeah. It's not like when you're in a restaurant, the waiter's like standing over you saying, one more bite, just one more bite. <laughs> Can you imagine? Even when my husband does that, when he's like, you're going to love this. I know it. I know you're like this. And I'm like, I don't feel like eating this right now. I'm not going to try it. Like, I don't want to. And he's like, well, you never know because you haven't tried olives in two years. You should try all. I'm like, I don't want an olive right now. You know, it literally makes sense that we're staring somebody in the face and being like, one more bite. Of course, they're gonna be like, I'm all done. Like, I don't want this anymore. Yeah. I'm done. <laughs> I don't want to eat if you're staring at me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I think it's also, you said how many times, you know, they eat. That's your decision and, and what they eat. But also where they eat. They should be eating sitting down and not like eating on the run. Because, yep. you know, mealtime is something that takes place in a seated position. It's much safer. But it's also socially acceptable place to eat, and it builds a foundation for good, healthy eating habits. And it's not surprising that toddlers resist high chairs because they don't like being cooped up. You know, yep. babies love, that's like the highlight of their day is trying new foods. And then they turn toddlers and mm -hmm. game changer. 
Yeah. And, you know, it's actually a part of like the evolutionary process is that if a toddler was in the wild and they see something new, this is something that's going to keep them safe because they're like, oh, is this poisonous? Is this not? So coming at it, this is literally what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to question anything new on their plate. Research shows it can take up to a hundred exposures of something new. So it takes the pressure off a parent to be like, listen, put a safe food on a plate, try giving them new things. And it is not your job to get them to eat. It's your job to build the plate, give a safe food, put it in front of them. And then you did your job. Then you let go. There's nothing else for you to do. Exactly. We decide what's on the menu and they decide how much goes in their body. Exactly. Okay. Let's say bedtime. How do we make bedtime not a nightmare. Yeah, well, one thing we can do is create a chart, a bedtime chart that's a visual aid, something they can see that lists out the steps that need to happen. So we're going to put the words, it's, you know, brush your teeth, and there's a picture of brushing teeth. Put on your jammies, picture of jammies, so that they can follow along. And then we want to give them age-appropriate power here again so that they feel involved like it's their choice. They get to put a check after each step or put a sticker on that chart after they do each step so that we can say, okay, you brushed your teeth. What's next? You tell me. And they run to the chart, say, okay, it's time for jammies. Let's do it. So that's one way to get them involved so that they're not in pushback mode. They're in collaboration mode. That's awesome. Okay, bath time. Some toddlers love bath. Some toddlers don't want to get in. Some toddlers don't want to get out. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, especially with, with the getting out, it comes back to being that calm, confident leader. So it's a little bit trickier to get them in, right? It's like a slippery, wet fish over, you know. But getting getting them out is an easier answer. And that is, I hear you're upset. You want bat- more bath time. Bath time is all done now. We'll do more bath time tomorrow. And confidently holding that boundary because now we realize, okay, when mom says bath time is all done, bath time is all done. That's the same consistency every night. We're always getting out at the same time. That's an easier one. The resisting bath time is pretty tough because it's it's hygiene. You got to do it. It's non-negotiable. Um, what we don't want to do is, okay, fine, no bath tonight because <laughs> my main motivation, yes, I want healthy kids. I want resilient kids in 30 years. But my main motivation when I'm like, ooh, should I just, should I just skip bath time tonight? And I'm like, nope, it's going to be a fresh nightmare for the next 30, 60, 90 days. I am not going to do that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to tackle this today. It's going to ah, happen. It means I have to do it tonight. <laughs> I know, girl. Oh, you're going to need to text me. I'm going to be like your support. You're like yeah. uh, your sponsor. <laughs> I would get creative. I mean, at first, right? What we're trying to overcome is this this cycle that now we have gotten ourselves into. And so uh, my recommendation at first would be whatever fun thing we need to do at first to break this cycle. And also then it is non-negotiable too. But if we can make it fun in that process and it becomes habit every single day, then, you know, we don't have to keep upping the ante of like, what comes to my mind is like popsicle bath, woohoo! Or like my kids, I do like, um, it's really subtle and very weird, but uh, it's not that weird. But baking soda, 
is actually very helpful for diaper rash. And so I used to put it in baby's bath time. Now we call it snow. So sometimes when we have bath time struggles, I'll put the snow on the lid of the bathtub. You could even put like food coloring in it, whatever. And I would try to keep it fun, like something novel and fun just to get over this hump. Now we don't need to keep upping the ante and have popsicles forever, but it's getting over this like battle hump to get there that, okay, and now it's a habit. We have bath time every day. We're not giving in like ever again. <laughs> Making it, a, it fun is one thing, but when you, you get into the bribery department. Yeah, exactly. You start to become on like a rewards treadmill. You got to up it. You got to be more exciting and fun to keep them interested. Just make it fun. Okay, separation anxiety is real. Um, Emma was human cling wrap. I still have it. So what would be your best advice for, you know, mom wants to leave the building too? Yeah. So this is all about prepping them beforehand. We want them to understand what's going to happen, who's going to be there, when you're going to return. Because again, our toddlers will feel safest when they know what to expect. Uncertainty, terrifying, chaos knowing what to expect, much better, much calmer. So if we're going to be going to the grocery store, whatever it is, we're going to let them know, okay, mommy's going to go to the grocery store. Grandma's going to be here with you. You're going to play with her. You're going to have lunch. And when you wake up from your nap after lunch, mommy's going to be home to give you hugs and kisses. Okay, go play and have fun. And one thing that we really want to emphasize is that when it's time to actually say goodbye, we don't want to linger. We don't want to hesitate. We don't want to give, you know, like come back. Okay, bye, bye. They're upset and we walk away, but then we come back because they're upset. Now we're giving them the message that, oh, maybe I'm not safe because mom keeps leaving, but she comes back. Oh, is there danger here? There's got to be something to worry about. Exactly. And it's not like you don't have to do these long, dramatic goodbyes. Yeah, we want to keep it quick and brief and loving, by the way. And then they know it's it's almost like the test the first time you do it. Okay, I love you. Bye-bye. Love you so much. They're, they're upset. They're crying. And we still leave very confidently. And hopefully the caregiver, by the way, knows to say things like, it's okay to be upset. You're sad that mommy's gone. Mommy will be back after lunchtime. You know, they're not kind of doing the thing like, oh, look at this. Oh, bubble, 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 bubble. We want to no let them know, I see you're upset. It's okay to be upset, that kind of a thing. But yeah, keeping it brief. And by the way, I mean, daycare workers, preschool workers, uh, we've talked to so many of them about this. And we actually have a section on this in our course because it's so nerve wracking for parents and you feel horrible guilt, horrible guilt. So when we were talking with teachers and preschool workers, that is their go-to, is the longer you're lingering, the sort of more heart-wrenching it is, and the more it causes that feeling of like, what's wrong? Why isn't she leaving? I don't understand. Is something wrong? And they can't settle in until mm -hmm. you leave. Exactly. They need your permission. So you need to leave so they can start, you know, their day. And then to really build that security when it's all over, when you're back from the market, when you pick them up from, you know, preschool, you're going to tell the story of what happened. You were crying. You were upset. Remember, you were so nervous and you did it. You were safe. And I came back to get you and I will always come back to get you the next day or like after preschool, whatever it is. So just telling that story can kind of like build that security. And a little pro tip, if it's something like preschool, give them something to hold on to. 
like a little special thing. When they miss you, they can touch it. They can look at it and remember. <laughs> we do little hearts on uh, on hands sometimes if that happens. So drawing a little heart and then you like a little kiss. So it's like, Mwah. so like if you miss mommy, you can give a kiss. And they, it seems to really work. They really look at it and they're like, okay, mommy. And then they can kind of go about their day. Consistency is so important in having that consistent goodbye, even if it's a see you later alligator, whatever it is that you say, say it consistently because that means mommy's leaving, she's coming back. Have the same thing when you return so that they yeah. feel safe and secure. Oh my God, we could talk to you guys all day. So where can Emma and other desperate parents find you? We are on Instagram. We're on there every day. So at Big Little Feelings. We're also on Facebook. Um, we post every single day and stories, tutorials, and helpful tips. And then we also have our toddler course. It's called Winning the Toddler Stage. So it is ever, we really tried to make it everything that I, even as a mom, have ever personally faced. So eating, bedtime, siblings tantrums, discipline. We wanted it all in one place. So that's, you can find it at biglittlefeelings.com. That's great to know. I'll be right there. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Dean and Kristen. Thank you so much for having us. So fun. Yeah, thank you. Emma, I'm going to text you tomorrow, girl. Okay. for listening. Remember, I'm always here for you. What to expect is always here for you. We're all in this together. For more on what you heard on today's episode, visit whattoexpect.com slash podcast. You can also check out what to expect when you're expecting, what to expect the first year, and the what to expect app. And we want to hear from you. Connect with us on our community message board or on our social media. You can find me at Heidi Murkoff and Emma at Emma Bing WTE. And of course, at What to Expect. Baby Love is performed by Riley Beaterer. What to Expect is a production of iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. In my arms, why don't you stay? Need ya, need ya, baby love, ooh, ooh, baby love. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations 
Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. It's the Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela E. is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. <laughs> That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yimby's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know that's right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B.